0: Everybody. Welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode, we're diving into the albums of 1996. And of course, we've expanded upon top 10 because, well, we're a little gratuitous. <laughs> it almost went beyond 12 this time. I was actually contemplating 14. <laughs> but these episodes are long enough as they are, and I torture John, who's on the other side of his phone, enough as it is. Hey
1: guys.
0: It's early. It is. This is the earliest we've recorded in a long time. I was telling him that you could always tell when we record early in the morning because my sinuses have not cleared out yet. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to need some water. I'm going to need some whiskey. Uh, it's too early for day drinking. Ah, is it or is it the end of the drink. day? Um, yeah, that's probably true. I think it's weird when they combine two things that make no... Like, they, they conflict with each other, like coffee and alcohol. What's the point? I don't understand. Do you just really like the taste of coffee? Because you're not going to get that boost.
1: Yeah, well, there are, there are those people who do like the taste of coffee. I do love the taste of coffee. God help them. Oh,
0: I love the taste of coffee. Um, um, all right, so, yeah, like I said, we're in 90, 1996. Top 12 albums, we split it into two episodes, because, good lord, they could be long. Um, So, you were up first, because I went for 1995.
1: Yeah, as I recall, that's how it went. Uh, So, I'm going to kick things off with an album that I'm pretty sure... There's only a small uh, group of people who've actually ever heard about this, although we're in good company. Uh, And that is Mother Superior, The Heavy Soul Experience of... uh, I learned about this band in such a weird roundabout way, uh, I mean, long after they were a thing. They were the second incarnation of the Rollins Band. Really? Uh, yeah, then they ran from 97 through 2001 or something like that. Oh. Uh, excuse me. And apparently, Henry Rollins didn't want them to be credited as the Rollins Band. He wanted them created, uh, like, the releases that he had, he wanted as Henry Rollins and the mother superior
0: because he loved what they did he
1: respected them so much and he wanted them to not just be oh yeah they're my backing band so you know after hearing about that and then re-listening to those records and kind of going shit yeah those are a little bit different than those the, the first incarnation i ended up going into listening to a lot of mother superior and holy shit these guys are fucking amazing yeah
0: i'm shocked i have never heard of them before they're not exactly like top 40 but this is when this kind of alternative music was so popular at this time i wouldn't have been surprised at least one of these had broken through but it's just really a kick-ass rock and roll but kind of like a little retro you know like uh almost like a southern 70s vibe almost They're
1: are like, a really great blues rock band. Yeah, like I'm thinking, they, like a
0: little bit like Wolfmother is.
1: Yeah, and they and that's the thing is they they do expand their sound a little more. It's not just blues rocky stuff, but I mean, it's uh, God. This uh, just this album, everything on it is great. Waitin' on ya, Guess I'm a fool again. Can you hear me? Which is uh, the opening track, I think. Fool's prayer, the wiggle. I mean, everything about this. Album is incredible, and it's it's a shame that they had never really gotten the love that they really had deserved. And <clears throat> I mean, so much so, Scott Ian of Anthrax was a fan of this band. Wow! And he ended up putting together this uh, uh, at the time it was a tribute band called Motor Sister. Uh, it was with his wife, uh, vocalist Pearl Day. Uh, Arbor State bassist Joey Vera, uh, The White Zombie, Rob Zombie uh, drummer uh, John Tapesta, and also the Mother Superior vocalist and guitarist Jim Wilson. And they basically put out an album that was just full of uh, of covers. And they were, the, the album was a little bit heavier. It was a little bit more of a metal album than what they did. But it, it fucking rips. I'll just tell you that right now. It rips. And... Last year, they actually put out a album of new of new music, and it's also really good. It's like an old school style heavy metal album.
0: Yeah, well, that's the only thing that really gets attention anymore. Because I feel like, I feel like rock music and alternative, whatever, have really just hit a wall. Like I haven't heard any new ground being broken. So it's just everybody's kind of going backwards now.
1: Yeah, it's like this, it's old school style metal. Um, so definitely. If I one hundred percent say try anything from the Mother Superior catalog, it's all good, and uh, I really even say it's like starting here is is even like the best place to begin because it's this is such a solid album. But it's like if you like this, check out Motor Sister 2 because damn. <laughs> Was there anything you wanted to say about it? No, I
0: already say I already got in what I wanted to say.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's a shame that they were just. They never got the do that they should have. But, what is your first one?
0: Uh, first one is Fun Loving Criminals, uh, Come Find Yourself, their debut album. Uh, yes, they had an EP before that. I never I really count the EPs. i will seem more like demos. Is that what you usually think?
1: Uh, I don't consider them albums. I do feel that they are releases, but at the same time, it's like, it would feel weird to, like, say cover the first tool release you know it's not an album it's tracks that never appear anywhere else but it's the same way I feel about live albums too it's like I want to cover live albums occasionally but at the same time you kind of like yeah but it's also not really new material
0: unless it's stand up stand up is the only time where live <laughs> is 100% new material oh, yeah. almost always Fair yeah I know that there's a knee-jerk reaction to look at this band as a Beastie Boys knockoff or House of Pain knockoff, and I just feel like there's a whole <clears throat> excuse me, a whole different vibe that they have going with their the structure of their songs, the the backing instruments, the samples they use. A lot of it just feels so unique of where, wherever it is that they grew up, wherever their sound came from. Um, I know that the lyrics themselves can be a little too repetitive, but at the same time, I listen to Electronica from the 90s, <laughs> where they repeat around the world 9,000 times, so I can't bitch too much. Um, I-, I get the feeling this is an album that you probably didn't like. I actually own this. Oh, really? Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. I actually almost... This was almost on my list, uh, just, just based on Scooby Snacks alone, because that's such a great song. But... Uh... I do think the album is a very interesting listen. Now, I will also say I do think it is very performative. Like, these guys do have talent, and it's a fun listen. You know, do not do not get me wrong. Again, I own this stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. I enjoy it much. But it's filled with some of the most faux mafioso bullshit I've ever heard.
0: Oh, like, yeah. Well, it's just like the House of Pain with their Irish, like, over-the-board Irish stuff.
1: Yeah, this I, I, is the album equivalent to one of those gangsta Looney Tune shirts that you would see.
0: Now this is the you gangster know? equivalent of listening to first-year film students tell you all about their love of Scorsese, De Palma, and Tarantino.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's like, I don't know about, about them on a personal level, and it kind of feels like they're the, you know, in a way, they're kind of like as genuine as, say, Kid Rock is in his cowboy persona. Right, Bitch, you're a rich kid who's just performing as if you're some some well, your trailer trash. We just lived in a fucking mansion, and it's like yeah, you kind of said this. And these are this is a New York band, and like a lot of New York related groups, there's very much an emphasis on hip hop culture. Uh, just in, in music in general, like again, Beastie Boys, punk band that you know transitioned to hip hop, and it. There's nothing, it's like you can hear it in the sound. Uh, Oh God, was it uh, Biohazard, the metal band Biohazard is very hip hop oriented, even though they're a pretty, you know, hardcore metal act. It's just kind of a, a thing about New York and hip hop is that it just kind of seems like it's part of the
0: DNA. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking right now at the lead singer. <laughs> um, yeah, he did a lot of time for crimes, and and he got busted for dealing cocaine. So I guess he does know some of that.
1: True, and lots of things. I also I would not necessarily go against the Bonafides, but they're very much the uh, you know New York mafia is is a lot of things like the John
0: Gotti and stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah. It's just,
1: It's that kind of, that's where I'm kind of going with the performative stuff. It's not necessarily that.
0: Oh yeah. Nobody, nobody in the right fucking mind would have freed John Gotti. I (laughs) That's What?
1: Yeah. It's, it's silly. It's enjoyable. And you know, I, I definitely go like, it's a fun lesson.
0: It's so strange that they're in the middle of all this, like, you know, posing as gangster kind of stuff is that they have a, uh, a cover song, which I didn't know at the time was a cover until like 10 years ago. Uh, we Have All the Time in the World from, I believe it's from On Your Majesty's Secret Service which uh, Louis Armstrong sang. And he does a pretty good version of like, his own interpretation of it.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. It's, it, it like we, that, uh, the, the fact, you know, the type of sampling that they do it's, it's a very, very interesting album yeah like, I, just, I love just, the just it's a cultural it. yeah just this weird little relic of the of the 90s.
0: All right, then, your turn
1: Okay now there was there wasn't any chance I was not gonna do this album. To me, this is a perfect album. It is probably my favorite album the entire 90s and that's including the two tribe albums that I told you all are mandatory albums to own if you like music. We're talking about tools Enema.
0: Yeah, that almost be my list. Yeah, it's well, like, technically that did make my list, but I, I, you know, sometimes I go overboard and you have to take a few.
1: <laughs> and it's also things like I have these lists built out, you know, long in advance. I've I've already since we started. I'm already through like ninety nine, not entirely serious. Well, let's not go do into that. <laughs> now, granted, this is the sort of the pretentious lyricism that Maynard is a master of. He has a gift of saying so much without saying anything, or at least saying it clearly. But that's really what kind of good art is. You allow the audience to draw their own meaning from what you present. But he seems to be a guy who has a lot to say, but also seems to want to say, no, nope. shit I'm, I was writing this while listening to Eulogy once and I. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's tracks like Hooker with a Penis, Third Eye, and "Anima," which you have no problem figuring out what, what they're about. Right. I mean, they're very, very thick. But then you get to things like uh, 46 and 2 or H, which is my favorite song in the album and from Tool in general. And what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I mean, okay, 46 and 2 might be centered around some ideas by philosopher Carl Jung, as well as the esoteric researcher uh, Drunvalo uh, Melchizedek, but would you have known that? I'm guessing the young stuff, I-, I can guess the young stuff because I was all about philosophy in college and, you know, that that's fucking my jam, but the rest of that shit, that was a Wikipedia look because <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> like genetics or some shit. <laughs>
0: Maybe. <laughs> that's... But that,
1: that's the thing. This is an album that's a brilliant bit of heavy metal music. It's got the beginnings of the prog stuff that, well, let's be honest, kind of makes the more recent albums very difficult to listen to. But, uh, oh, God, I just lost my notes. It's
0: so uh, weird. Nobody but... sounds like Tool. As, as hard as they may try, I have never heard anybody have this particular sound. And it's, I mean, it's, it's cool when you have, like, a signature sound that no one else can replicate.
1: Well, that's just it. Like, it's these, they make interesting, these bizarre sonic scapes. You get, uh, you know, like, the songs are so varied and, and filled with, you know, filled to the brim with music. But then there's also these little interstitials. Now, these may or may not work for you. My may vary on these. But you get things like uh, the message to Harry Mann back, or The Ir von Satzen, which is this heavy industrial esque track, kind of like in the vein of like Einsteins and Nirvulten.
0: I don't even know what you just I, said. I really, <laughs> I
1: really need to get to them. I keep wanting to, and I keep not finding the right thing to torture you with. Uh, but it's basically it's a recipe for uh, Russian cheesecakes with hash but it's delivered in this angry German voice weird and it just it, it's hard and oppressive and then when you realize what it is it's just a big fucking joke
0: yeah you do that to me I'm gonna point out some Backstreet Boys on you ah! but, tell me why <laughs>
1: but yes this is this is such an amazing album and hands down I think the best Tool album
0: alright um My next album is Tiny Music from the Vatican Gift Shop by STP. Um, (laughs) Look, this is a weird bag of sounds. And yeah, I understand why it didn't do very well. It kind of was like the, I guess the end of that era of STP. For one reason, uh, Scott Weiland now was completely just destroyed by his own drug use. And the band would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. You remember Talk Show, and and then Scott Weiland had the 12 Bar songs or something? They had all these spinoffs for a while because they couldn't get along and couldn't get an album done. Yeah, and
1: this is actually the first STP album I owned.
0: Oh, is it? Okay.
1: Yeah, and it's not as good a rock album as Purple or Core. Oh,
0: no, no. Well, it's a different, whole different vibe. Oh,
1: yeah. And I think it's It's like, it's got that, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you know, let's just say like you, know, you got the singles Tumble uh, Tumble in the Rough Big Bang Baby "Tripping on a Hole on Paper Heart
0: Lady but, Picture Show I think was the one that broke through on the top 40
1: but it's like you had I'll say it's my favorite song on this album is Art School Girl
0: yeah I which it
1: which has this little twangy guitar and this little heavy, you know, heavy hard rock chorus. But it's, like, this mix of uh, 60's Psychedelia and, like, bossa nova.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, like... it's it's really strange. Well, you hear little flecks of their weirdness on Purple, especially that final hidden track. Like, what is this? And it's just, like, it's, it's a little indulgent, I'll say that. But it's also, they needed to break out of the mold of what they had, you know, like for the first two albums they were always considered a Pearl Jam clone and this one they finally sound like this at, at most they sound like maybe they're picking up what Jane's Addiction had left off when they broke up well it's also now
1: at this point Grunge is dead yeah so it's weird
0: We th- idea- kids look back and they'll think that Grunge probably lasted a decade no it was literally all these guys had at most three successful albums and then it just kind of faded away
1: yeah, it's like, and even then, it, it by that third successful album that was kind of like the swan song, everyone's last hurrah. Yeah, because,
0: and it is and everything after that was like an anomaly. Like I remember, had Pearl Jam had a couple other albums that kind of did okay, but we're not we're not talking anything past platinum and like one hit maybe they saw off of, you know on MTV. It wasn't getting radio play.
1: Yeah, it's weird, uh, and that's just it's like you have these bands now. Trying to trying to find an identity, and like I said, they kind of went, tried to go for like the psychedelia thing that was starting to kind of happen in music.
0: Yeah, sixties nostalgia was finally well. I mean, we we had sixties nostalgia in the eighties, but it was all kind of sad sixties. You know, like um, oh, let's talk about Vietnam finally after all these years. You know that I understand, but then there was kind of like uh, remember how weird the late sixties got? <laughs> let's let's bring out, bring out some of that.
1: Yeah, well, like I say it's like. This has more in common with, okay, uh, was it, Peppermint and, uh, oh shit, what's that? Well, never mind, I can't think of the damn song title. So it's the one song that any time you, you see a 60s thing where they talk about drugs, it's usually that song that plays. Yeah,
0: well, you remember the video they had where they shot it on a really old video? Um Was that um, Big Bang Baby? Was that the first single off this I, one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was just a vibe that they... I feel like they were a step ahead of everybody else of what was coming, like, you know, late 60s, early 70s nostalgia, and then, like, kind of like a retro look in their video shoes, and so like that. They, the fact that it's called Tiny Music from, uh, from the Vatican Gift Shop at first made no sense to me, but if you think about the collective variety of the songs, like, each one is so unique, it's like... Shopping in an audio gift shop, like there's just going to be different random oddball things that capture your uh, uh, catch, catch your interest.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a weird mixture of chalk
0: cheese, oral chalk cheese. Yeah. Did you say chalk cheese? I'll take I, I said chalk cheese. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um. That, that's it for me on this one.
1: All right. So next up, there's gonna be. I'm not doing these together, but. Uh, the next two albums are going to be the two ones that what one i'm hoping that you liked one is what i think you liked when we we're talking about on the set lists okay but we'll see which one we'll see which one it is the first of these two is in flames the jester
0: race is this the one that i couldn't find there's one i could not find remember i, I had to go sh- listen to like a mixture of it it wasn't the actual album. It was like a mixture of songs on Spotify, and then I had to go over to uh, YouTube and find it, but they didn't have, like, the whole album all together. That's the one that threw me off because I can't remember it.
1: That was probably Underworld.
0: Underworld, that's it, okay. In Flames, I love the guitar work. I didn't like the lyrics. And you know me with the lyrics. I have to kind of... I don't like the...
1: (laughs) I kind of figured that the vocals would either work or not work for you, but you would love the music because this... Okay, now, I've been... In the last couple of shows I've been talking about, uh, like melodic death metal and stuff like that. This is one of the bands that pioneered the sound, especially okay. the Swedish uh sound, uh, which is referred to as Gothenburg because the Gothenburg sound, uh, because that's where all these bands kind of came out of. When I th- really talk about melodic death metal, this is kind of where I'm talking about because. This really shows off the balance of the new wave of British heavy metal style music that is combined with like the, you know, faster thrashy riffs Uh and the ground vocals that you get in this style of music. This, I mean, like their first, this is their second album. Their first album was basically just your standard death metal album with some folky elements.
0: Is it true Icelandic death metal? (laughs) (laughs) Or no, it's black metal. (laughs) shit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, yes. True Icelandic Black Metal. Uh, God, I haven't yet to get to do that. You're going to have to listen to one of those eventually. That that fucking Uh,
0: movie, man, is locked into my brain forever. (laughs) Holy shit.
1: But, uh, yeah, these... Like, what they did is also, in some regards, the precursor to Metalcore. Because this album does also use a little bit of cleaner vocal styling. Not as, not as much. But, uh, the, nothing, not everything on this album is growled. But, uh, I will say this. You hear the song shift immediately from, like, if you were listening to the first album or any death metal album, really. Moonshield starts almost acoustically. It's like this just know this this, nice little pleasant guitar riff that you're hearing and then it kicks off into the harder guitar work and then then the growling vocals but it's when you get to the the second track this instrumental that I, i don't give a shit what your feelings are about death metal this is a banger and it's an instrumental and you hear how well these people can actually play yeah it's not just it's not just oh yeah they can play fast or they can play heavy it's no this is this is actual craft that these people are doing
0: yeah if if the guitar work you know the instrumental i should say guitar work, sorry it's more than just a guitar if uh the instrumentals weren't so good i probably would have stopped after a couple songs but like i said the lyrics are uh, the, the I, yeah. understanding what they're saying well not the lyrics the vocals I should say. Yeah, um, yeah. It's always the the catch for me. If I can't get into it, I'm like, eh, I don't know.
1: And it's like, and the same thing, it, the, the album is kind of based around a theme because you also get to the, the title track of the album, and it builds. It kind of, like, the little instrumental sounds are kind of what make up the the lead song on this, and but it starts building from those basic things, getting faster and faster and faster until until everything kicks off and then it becomes you know a growly track but these this is kind of if truly if I was to hand you a melodic death metal album this is really where I would have gone first but okay. we're doing it by decades and not genres right, so right.
0: well that's what but our that perfect doesn't... concert playlist is for we pick you know three <laughs> bands in a, in a genre or sound that, you know whatever that's similar or whatever and we build a concert around them that may happen yeah that would
1: be that would be fun to do is if I could get you to try and do do one for Moloch Death Metal and give you three bands of that.
0: It'll be really hard, but we'll try. <laughs> <coughs> what's your next what's your next one? Alright. So yeah. almost the polar opposite <laughs> is Villains by the Verve Pipe. Um, look, I know that sometimes I dive into like kinda dad rock, I guess if you want to call it now. It wasn't dad rock at the time. Um alternative music that appealed to girls in coffee shops. Uh, but I really love this album. I went and saw... This is uh, the first secular concert I ever went to. Um, two of the three bands uh, that were at this concert are on this list. <laughs> You'll never guess the other one. <laughs> um, hmm, let me see. Let me go down the list. Well, one of them was Cracker. So that Cracker, Cracker was the headliner. Weirdly enough,
1: I i guess this might be a spoiler for the next show but would it be the urge
0: yes and maybe it's because i've told oh, okay. you this before okay but talk that was talk about that was, really different sound <laughs> yeah
1: oh i was say like i there was a different one that i was going to say but i'm going no you're saying don't, i couldn't you know try and take a guess it wouldn't be the slightly more obvious one yeah okay
0: <laughs> The uh, we well, could have guessed the Wallflowers, I guess, if they had been like just opening up, but I think they were already established by this point. But uh, so it was, yeah, it was summer of ninety-seven, um, because I remember that. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think now. Okay, so no, it was ninety-six. Okay, so um, I, I try. To, so at the time, the hit was not uh, Freshman. I mean, that was a year later, and that you know that's what finally blew them up. But Photograph is the one that I really like because it's this weird keyboard thing in the background, like the lower sound, what do you call that? I'm not a music person, I don't really know what they call that. But I remember just that really like that little hook of the keyboard really locked into my brain. I thought this is a pretty catchy song, whatever. And then I heard that they were gonna be with those other bands. I didn't know who The Urge was at the time. And that was what they were known for. And then like a year later is like the freshman broke out or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's a long gap in singles, you know, on, on an album from like, you know, you, th- you would think that the, the distributor, or the label or whatever would have been like, well, throw it out. We're done. We're not going to stretch this out.
1: Well, that's kind of what happened with Bush. Most of their stuff really came out in 95 after the after that album dropped.
0: Yeah, that's weird when there's a long gap. But, um. I mean, this is a little bit harder rocking than people would think if they're just basing it on the freshman, which is kind of like the way brick was for, um, Ben folds five. You know, that was a really like sad song, but a lot of the stuff's more lively than that for them. Um, yeah. And I also have a little bit of a love for Verf Pipe because they're almost local boys. They tour around here all the time because they're from, I'm in Northern Indiana and they're from lower Michigan. So they're always around here. And, uh, so I've seen them more than once, and um, they were just—they were just in town. I was trying to go, but I—it I, was—it was just solo acoustic. I was like, "I'm not doing that." Ugh. Seriously, <laughs> well, it, it, is that wrong? I'm, I'm, when I hear that there's an acoustic show okay. and it's solo, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do that at all." Well,
1: I'll say this: I'm pretty sure I've—I've I've heard heard stuff by them because of MTV, yeah. but I had no re- recollection of it. And honestly, I. Did not dig it.
0: Yeah, it, like, well, I thought it was a little too soft for you.
1: Well, well they have they have that '90s post grudge alternative sound, you know, which a lot of bands did. And I'll say it just it didn't hit me like, say, Goo Goo Dolls or Brother Kane did. Where it's like, how did I miss this sort of you know sort of feeling? It just like it kind of came off like D sides, you know, off of you know, it's like it's the lower cuts off of some of the like a maybe say like a Pearl
0: Jam or Temple Pilots tribute album yeah it's you know, it, well it's, and like I said a lot of it is nostalgia they were huge around here so I listened to them a lot and I Villains of course uh, was their second single and I'm kind of surprised that one didn't go anywhere and then like I said like eight months later whatever after Villains came out and didn't didn't even chart, if I remember correctly, then all of a sudden, like, Freshman is the one that everybody got into, but uh, I think Photograph is the best one off here. I just think it's a really cool, like, just chill driving kind of album.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's... There's nothing wrong with, with having one of those things, and... Digging on it, yeah. It's, it, it kind of, like you said, it's, it's the kind of like the coffee shop music.
0: Yeah, and I mean, then no this way. is the era where that kind of takes over because we have like Vertical Horizon, Tonic, you know, the verb pipe, Wallflowers, uh, you know, that that kind of era, that, that adult alternative, I guess, is what you would categorize this as. It's like
1: you were you were out listening to music that could potentially
0: get you laid. I was out
1: <laughs> listening to music that I would go and punch a person to. <laughs>
0: Oddly, uh, didn't get that late. <laughs> All right, you're in it next.
1: Okay, here's the other one. And I guess this might be the one that will surprise me. Amorphous, Elegy.
0: That, I was shocked that I liked this. I really, really like this. And I've been telling people who I know that are into metal or whatever, like, check this out. I don't know how. I never heard of them, but here we go.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, it definitely if you had heard, like, the first two albums, you it would have been an immediate turn off and and I get it Uh, very harsh guitar very growly vocals although on their second album they do a cover of Light My Fire that's really fucking good (laughs) but uh, basically they started moving this journey to change their sound into this more folk metal style and you know they're opting the got uh, a new vocalist who's doing a uh, far more clean vocal so you, I'm sure that's where a lot of it helped was the guy was singing a hell of a lot more than growling and you know it's like they start taking inspiration from uh, these traditional philish ballads and poems uh, such as ones that kind of come from uh, the uh, Kentel why can I say the word <clears throat> uh, Kentelinar Kentelinar Cantelatar can't yeah. There we are.
0: <sighs> I thought you were having a stroke. I wasn't sure what was happening. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to say these things and I just can't. Brain brain is looking at word. Mouth cannot say it. <laughs> uh, but it's like that's the thing, is while well, in the States, death metal is basically just a bunch of bands doing their damnedest to out gross or out angry or out satan each other. And then but in Scandinavia, like you know, like in Flames and this, these are bands who are actually trying to make it in genuine musical art form and be like, hey, look, we, yes, we're not necessarily running for a top 40 spot, but we're not going to sit there and just have people, oh,
0: never mind, I've got a cat running around. During- <laughs> you got to get that? No, no, it's fine.
1: Okay. And but it's like they're trying to actually, you know, so... Make this an art form and be like, yeah, we want people to actually treat it, take us seriously, and not think that we're just a bunch of uh, crazy kids running around with knives stabbing things like those uh, Norwegian black meddlers. <laughs> you know, it, this this is definitely something that you would, you people really should check out. If anything, this blends genres in a way that you really wouldn't expect because there's like again these this folk sounds and folk uh, traditional folk music along with metal and like 60's psychedelia you know psychedelia is in some of these songs it's way different than what you would expect but uh,
0: that is it for me alrighty so my next one is Evil Empire by Rage Against the Machine an album that Rolling Stone gave only three stars out of five and I don't understand
1: (laughs) actually I I kind of agree with that (gasps) Ooh, ooh, ooh. I yeah. love Rage. I think yeah. Tom Morello especially makes some amazing <laughs> music. The two opening tracks on this album are so fucking baller. <laughs> they are. But the problem is it it doesn't really work for me, like, the albums that's surrounding it. And it's not like the messages get lost or, you know, like I said, Tom Morello. He's making interesting guitar sounds. But doesn't hook in the same way that the first first album or the subsequent album do. It's not necessarily say that their songs are boring, but
0: just it does kind of, it does feel like they're not breaking any more new ground. It's a little repetitive uh, thematically as their first album.
1: Yeah, you kind of you kind of hit a brick wall with Vietnam, the third track on the album, and then it, it does kind of take itself back up a bit on that second half because uh, Wind Below. Uh, you the you the boomerang. Yeah, you're the boomerang. I think is
0: my favorite track on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, those are all solid. Down Rodeo is an interesting idea. I don't know if it necessarily works as well as as Zach hopes, but uh, it you know it's like it's a weaker effort. It's a, it is kind of the sophomore slump album, and it's weird because it's still you know you you still hear. Interesting guitar sound, and it—you know, like—they're—they're they're not being lazy in any way. It's just—I
0: don't know. Yeah, I wonder if that's why it took them three and a half years to do a follow-up, and then they were basically done. Is maybe he just didn't have anything else to say? What's shocking to me is that he sat out like the whole last administration. What the fuck? <laughs> like we really needed to hear from him. I guess he had guess he had, like, one band, but they didn't go anywhere. Like, uh, 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 Years of Lion or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Days of Lion. But I was just, like, shocked that nothing really happened. Then you hear that band where they, uh, team up without Zach, and they got Chuck D, and I'm like, well, this is okay, but it's still not what I expected during this era. You know, like, this is a madness era, and they they have nothing to say? What the hell?
1: (laughs) Well, Prophets of Rage was was an interesting thing, but yeah, it's like, it, in as much as it came far later than it needed to.
0: I'm trying to see where this even... Uh, oh, yeah. I guess back in the day when you could debut with, uh, 249,000 uh, copies in one week, whereas if you got that with the whole album now, it's a miracle.
1: <laughs> oh, streaming. You
0: fuck so much yeah, stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing for physical copies of movies. All right. Uh, what is next?
1: All right. Next one was the one that you had to, uh, had to explore uh, different options of listening to because, damn it, Spotify took out took the album away and then brought it back for yeah. whatever fucking
0: reason. I'm still it's, not sure I even got what you wanted me to listen to because it was such a hodgepodge mess.
1: But uh, the album is Underworld. The title is Second Toughest in the Infants. Now, this is a group that started off as this pretty crappy synth pop band. I mean fucking seriously just don't look up underneath the radar or change the weather it's not worth it It, it, i thought it would have been like oh i should check this out i really love this this group let's hear what they sound like before oh they made the right call yeah (laughs) because uh they ended up making this dance music album called dub no bass with my head man and it's phenomenal i really really was going to cover it but I wanted to hold off because this is even better and they hit it really big with this album partially because it's killer but they had also two songs that were featured Train Spotting. You had a remix of their song off the first album Dark and Long and then this non-album track called Bored and Slippy and that's the one I was hoping that you would listen to because it's kind of was thought of as their signature song and it's never actually appeared on a you know regular release you know in subsequent releases like the extended version of this it's on there now on Greatest Hits albums it's on there but it was never actually on this one but off the album proper uh, it's best known for a song called Pearl's Girl which is this extremely dancey track, and what's like? This is this is sort of stuff that it's really, especially Underworld in general, it's really good for activity. You listen to this in the gym. You listen to this while you're driving,
0: or mowing the yard every two fucking days. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm out. I'm now at the point of doing.
1: <laughs> but what's kind of fun about this album? is because the songs on this are long, but there's kind of a reason for that. There's multiple tracks that exist in a harmonious balance. Like the opening track, uh, Juanita Kiteless, to Dream of Love is three songs that intersect each other at various points of the track. It's not just that, oh, this track ends and it just, you know, fade you know, like a fade out into, into the next thing. It's no elements of you know, of kiteless flow into Juanita while you're listening to it, and then it just kind of transitions away from Juanita into kite into kiteless, and then into Dream of Love. They're just these—they're uh, a multi-song suites where they all work together as a single piece, but they're also three specifically individual songs. It's kind of why that they're done in this way, where they have uh, colons instead of like slashes or something. Because they're intended to be a single song, even though they've then they've got a live album. It's like, oh yeah, it's just uh, we're just going to do the, the first two parts. We're going to do one to and Kiteless, and we'll leave the third part off. And you don't it doesn't feel like you're missing anything from the song. Like, oh, where's the last third? Is oh no, Kiteless did end, and it feels like Kiteless ended. I have
0: but, nothing to add. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I, so I, I can't mean, really get into it.
1: I'm disappointed. I honestly out of all the electronic stuff that I've ever done, I kind of would have felt this one would have been closer to your jam.
0: I don't know but why there's a very particular sound I like with my <laughs> electronica and sadly it's mostly of the bands that broke through. I don't know if it's because I'm conditioned from listening to it so much. That's what I, the sound I look for or it's just that just happens to be what my ear goes. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, like I said, try try looking up uh, born slippy. Uh, with the parentheses, nux. That I'm pretty sure you will recognize that one.
0: Okay. But what is your next one? Uh, another dad one, bringing down the house by Wallflowers. <laughs> it's just so Wait, funny. The you juxtaposition. Bring bring down the horse. Bring bring down the. Is that my, my handwriting sucks? Wait, now hold on a second. Why would you bring down a horse? Isn't it? I don't know. But Why would you That's. Bring? I thought I. I thought you had spelled it wrong. It is bringing no, down the horse, son of a bitch. I wrote it down and I thought it was house, but I, I, I just because my brain said it's house, I guess. Wow, this whole time I thought it was bringing down the house, huh? The soundtrack to the Steve Martin Queen Latifah movie. No. <laughs> um, this is one that me and my sister really, really bonded on, but also the fact that the guy who lived next door to us in college was in a cover band, which my roommate eventually joined, called um, Flipside. And they played Coffee Houses, and they're always doing covers of Wallflowers, so a lot of it is just locked in my head permanently. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people think that this is just sappy uh, kind of ballads, like Sixth Avenue Heartache and Three Marlinas, but if you really listen to the album, it is a lot more hard rock, not It's not hard rock, but you know what I mean? Like, it's more bouncy and and faster paced, and a lot of people uh, probably have an idea of who... The Wallflowers are. Especially when you think, oh, he's the son of a famous folk singer or whatever. It's like, well, once Dylan went electric, it got different too. But for some reason, you have it all locked in his head that you did acoustic folk stuff. Um, what did you think of this album? Okay.
1: Uh, like I mentioned with for Pipe, there are bands that I, I've heard later on, and I've said this a few times, That's like, if it weren't, it just... I feel like an idiot for not really listening to it at the time uh you know it was due to some acidine teenager rebellion i'm too cool for that i'm gonna go listen to some metal now yeah you know, bullshit and about a decade ago i started listening back to a lot of these things from the 90s that uh i really discounted and one headlight was a song that i really felt dumb for not liking
0: huh. and
1: let's be honest mtv really fucking overplayed that. they, did, stuff. they
0: pounded oh and radio as well
1: yeah, well, like, especially with Troll request live became a thing.
0: Oh it, my God! Yeah, it,
1: it really ruined a lot of music. I wonder when uh,
0: did TRL even debut. I'm wondering because well, well there's so many iterations.
1: It was like '98 like or something like that. '97, '98. So we're we're not in that era, but I think it was. I still partially think it might have uh, been well yeah. songs that
0: it was hasn't. On the tail end. It hasn't yet, but you can feel like it's headed that direction. It starts in the fall of '98
1: okay yeah but that's the thing it's like i won't go and say this was a favorite album of mine finally having listened to the whole thing but i do think it's good
0: oh Um, i'm glad
1: and and the thing is like i you know knew that he was dylan you know bob dylan's son and all that stuff and it definitely he's not trying to be his dad and that's definitely a good thing. Because yeah, but
0: he's not doing it in an obvious way. Like, I'm going to totally pick a whole different genre, you know, something to completely, like, rebel against. He's like, no, no, this is just my thing.
1: Yeah, it's like, I enjoy this, and I'm going to do this. And it totally works. And, you know, it's like, I I do feel bad for discounting at the time. It's not 100% my jam. But I do think it's definitely a good album.
0: Yeah, uh, I say go towards the end of the album, and "God Don't Make Lonely Girls" is a really good track. Yeah, it's
1: like I, I stand, I stand by going, yeah, dude. Don't, don't be an asshole. Give it a shot. I'm curious,
0: how old were you in '96? I was 15. Okay, and now you don't have to answer this or not, but I'm curious: Did you hang out with a lot of women, or was it mostly just dudes? Just mostly dudes. Okay, so mine was a real strong 50-50. Then in college, it almost became 70% female and 30% guys. So my whole music taste in college is a lot different than I think it would have been like the way it was in high school. I know part of it is having a a younger sister and we all had like, you know, I got along with her friends, She got along with mine. So it was just like a big group effort. Um, And then in college, I was in theater, and of course, there is just, like, a big hodgepodge of everybody. So, I don't know, I feel like with that, I got more variety, and, like, I I can't begin to tell you how many times I saw movies in theaters. Like, as a dude, you wouldn't expect me to. But, like, if you're, like, your three female friends want to go to the movies, and you fucking love movies, you're going to go see some girly movies.
1: (laughs) True. And and that's the thing, it's like, some of these stuff, I didn't listen to at the time it's you know subsequently gone back and it's like oh yeah this album is fucking killer yeah mm-hmm. uh, but it's like a big chunk of what i ended up owing a lot of my musical taste with my friend uh lauren who he really kind of turned me on to a wide variety of music whereas i was heavy metal leaning kid but it's like you know listen to hit, listen to rap listen to uh minor things of techno and stuff and it wasn't until i had because he was a friend before high school he ended up going ended up going to a different school for a good chunk of it and then closer to the end of uh, end of high school we reconnected and he kind of blew my mind open to a lot of different stuff and a lot of the reason why I have a hugely varied musical taste is because of him
0: yeah I I think it's good to have friends like that because I know we're going off on a side note here but so during this time period I have I usually listen to heavier stuff and hip hop when I'm in the car because I was delivering pizzas uh during college so when i was by myself it was usually the heavier stuff it was usually the more eclectic and weird stuff sometimes like industrial and electronica is what my friend aaron was into um so when i would go home because we went to different colleges or whatever i would go home and then i would listen to that stuff and then like i said all the stuff that was more female uh friendly you know i would listen to when i was with groups of people what's your next album
1: all right my next one is razor blade suitcase by bush
0: that almost made my list, too. It's it's uh, another one where you're like, I got too much. <laughs> well,
1: that's the thing is, this is the Bush album that I love the most out of their entire catalog, and their most recent albums are really, really good, uh, but it's a shame. This album was ripped to shreds when it was released it's a shame because it's light years better than that debut
0: well i think it's because the first one it's kind of like the way it is with any album that has so many hits that people get a little exhausted by them and they want to go away thank god they didn't go completely away from bush like they did with like hootie and the blowfish um but you know that had what six singles hit singles off that one album and i think people were a little burnt out by that time Cause this oh, came, man. this came pretty close to uh, what was the was final, it. what was the final track, the one from Fear, uh, Machine Head. I mean, that was only six oh, Machine months. Machine Head. Yeah.
1: It's like this album. One of, I was reading like what some of those complaints end up being, and it was like, you know, the out. This album doesn't have any hooky riffs, which is honestly a stupid fucking complaint. Yeah. Um, some people just shit shut because Steve Albini was the producer. You know, Who's it's that? like. You know, but it's like, if it had those hooks, it would just have been, oh, Steve Albini produced it, so fuck this album. It's like, come on. Uh, You had Greedy Fly, uh, Swallowed, which are both amazing songs, Mouth, which uh, the remix really was the single, but uh, still a really good song, Cold Contagious. Like, yes, this is a darker album. Uh, You also, you picked a... uh, an album kind of like this, uh, where it's the lead singer dealing with this, kind of the shitty situation their life has kind of ended up in. And while that album has kind of gotten a renaissance and a cult following, this one really doesn't seem to have. And I genuinely don't understand because it, it's a little more subdued. Sure, it's not quote-unquote – actually, you know what? This is probably more grunge than their first album was. Yeah, it's
0: just not as radio friendly, I think, is what they're looking to say.
1: Yeah, now it's. I'll say it. it, it with, with someone trying to examine, you know, where, you know, the, the break, you know, breaking up and the loss of love and the pressures of becoming famous pretty damn quick. Let's be honest, this doesn't come off like it's a uh, excerpts from a teen's live journal, you know? This does kind of feel mature and thoughtful and still filled with bullshit lyrics that make no fucking sense, but somehow he's able to actually say them and they sound good. <laughs> like some of the shit from the first album. <laughs> oh, God, I love... I love Bush, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not the president.
1: <laughs> or the sex organ, but yes, I'm. But <laughs> up uh, I love the band, but yeah, I will still say he, he writes some esoteric stuff that doesn't land as well as it really should this is still, still such a great album yeah
0: yeah I think they're they're kind of forgotten when they talk about the grunge because they kind of broke out towards the end of the grunge I don't know they're more of the British invasion right
1: yeah it's they are if you go technic you know if you want to technically say it yeah they kind of are a grunge band even though their first album was basically released the year grunge died yeah but you know it's even so uh, i I've always just kind of associated them as an alternative band. In the same way that I kind of feel like Smashing Pumpkins
0: okay, is yeah, yeah. more
1: of you an know, alternative band.
0: I remember, like, we did that episode a couple of years ago where I was like, aren't they Canada's grind? You're like, eh, not really.
1: <laughs> it's like, they are and they aren't, and it's, you kind of sit there and like, you can argue both ways, but I, like I said, I've always kind of associated them, mainly because we were talking about singles being distributed, a lot of their... St- other singles were released in 95 and so it'd be kind of like quote-unquote post grunge you know era so kind of more when you have what we think of now as alternative music being being that thing even though grunge uh, yeah. I just gotta throw my hands up now <laughs> trying to, try to defy you know define genres in, in in a time where people are just throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. My turn? That is... That is, that the, is your turn. That seemed to be a list, right? We have gone through six, so... Okay,
0: yeah. Well, I, we always stop halfway through, so... Because I'm an old man. I'm tired. Um, I have had any caffeine whatsoever. God, I'm on the yes, fucking... Yes, yeah. Yes, you got your last one to go. Well, I'm on the ropes here, people. Um, so my last <laughs> one is... I think the only other album the the Dust Brothers... Produce like the whole thing because I think they only did singles or parts of albums. Um, This and uh, Paul's Boutique are the only two albums uh, that Dust Brothers did, and it's Odelay by Beck.
1: Okay, I kind of meant I kind of teased this and mentioned this before. I really do not know how I feel about Beck. Like, okay, his stuff is basically a genre unto itself. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, he he switches genres though, constantly though. That's the hardest thing to pin down with him.
1: Yeah, it's like this album is alt rock. It's hip hop. It's all sorts of stuff. I like it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's hard. It, it, truly, it's one of these things where i i want I, I want to like it. I also think that it's too much at the same time.
0: It's almost too twee, too weird.
1: Yeah, it's like he's. It's like uh, part of me goes. It feels like he's trying too hard to I you know, in a a, and I like the pretentious way of well I'm not gonna let labels define me. Right sort of thing. But I've never seen him, you know, in any interviews or anything like seem to come off like that. Like that's the sort of thing that you would you know, this is gonna be a weird slightly weird poll, but it'd be like the guys from Oasis. It's like I can see them being pretentious jack-offs and, uh, you know, 100% believe that they would, you know, cross their arms and be like, oh, yeah, I'll never let the labels define me. <laughs> you know, sort of crap. And that just seems to be a guy who's just like, I love stuff. I'm going to make stuff. And so it's like it the album is genuinely weird because I think the guy's genuinely weird.
0: Yeah. Well, 96 seems to be a year where more eclectic, oddball stuff really broke out. Like we're, you know, like you said, grunge is dead, punk is, is its own little revival going on, you know, and then we got like just oddball stuff. I mean, where, what other year would you get the squirrel fucking nut zippers, you know, <laughs> with a hit song?
1: True. True that.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's such an un believably creative odd era that i just i don't think you're ever gonna see again it's it's just like 95 to like 98 was just like whatever sticks to the wall fuck it
1: (laughs) yeah is it it's i i i think i like beck more as a singles artist where it's like the little the individual songs like devil's haircut and uh not losers off the previous one
0: uh, yeah Well, did you think that he was I was convinced he was gonna be a one hit wonder it was too goofy it was too unique there was no way that he was gonna have another hit song and holy shit I'm shocked when this came out and there was numerous hit singles it's like, I'll be
1: honest I kind of thought Devil's haircut came after this one and same same thing with new Pollution. Well, no, no, it's new pollution. I thought was off the following album for some reason because Devil's Haircut and uh, why can't I think of the other big song off this one? I keep going back to Loser. And I know that's not it. Well,
0: uh, where it's at is the big one. That where, was the first I you, think- Where it's at. Yeah.
1: Those two feel like they weirdly enough belong on the same album. New Pollution feels like you know that's oh yeah that that was when everyone was doing stuff for the Austin Powers soundtrack. You know, it's Yeah. you know, kinda like that and then uh, oh god, uh, was it Lady Kravitz doing American woman and stuff like oh, that? Gosh. Or it's like yeah. stuff like that that felt like it was oh pushed you know, pushed a couple of years down. Yeah, yeah. The so, so uh, kind of so it's weird that that song is on this album, but then again this is a weird album.
0: Yeah, where it's at always sticks out in my mind, not just because of it was a hit, but because that line, like, I got two turntables and a microphone. And I remember at work, this is like a decade ago, and I was pulling the extra hours, and my boss said on the walkie-talkie so everybody could hear. They're like, Michael, thank you for staying longer. Is there anything I can get you in the store, like a snack or something? I go, yeah, I wouldn't mind two turntables and a microphone. And dead silence, except for one dude all the way at the very front covering the check lanes. Uproorously laughing and that you know what that works for me. If I can get one person to laugh at my little stupid joke. Well,
1: it just makes me think of the Futurama episode too. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. When Bender gets his chest all ruined or something and he turns it turns into an instrument.
1: Yeah, so in they're just playing where it's at and he's doing the two turntables and a microphone part.
0: <laughs> I like derelict a lot. It's a very strange odd dark song but some reason it always sticks in my head
1: yeah I, like I said it's I I genuinely found out I had more to say about than I thought I did but like I said it's
0: I don't know <laughs> I, I remember after this though like everybody was revved up for his 98 release and it was like just folksy shit what the fuck was that about
1: but it, I think that's part of why I have a have a hard time coming up with feelings about him is because i don't know what i'm going to get it's a it's a mystery gachapon of yeah. uh, of sound and it's you know, i don't i never want to buy an album because i don't want to be disappointed
0: right you never know <laughs> what you're going to get cuz like yeah mutations was the one that was all sad and slow and then all of a sudden he has like a fucking disco influenced 70 vibe album with midnight vultures I remember Guero. Guero's probably the closest to being a sequel to Odele, and that one's great. I love that one. <sighs> Sorry, I was drinking. All right, well, luckily we're now at our hour point, and <laughs> we finished half <laughs> our list. We'll come back maybe later in the day when we're both more awake and I don't sound like this. <laughs> um, anything Perhaps. else you want to say before we go? Shit, um,
1: you, know, you, you heard the albums I talked about. Listen to them. They're, they're amazing. Especially Underworld You need to
0: listen to Underworld
1: Come back Come back to the second half Of the show And tell me what you think Okay <laughs>
0: um, Yeah the People leave us notes What you think if, we, if you found some new albums I'm like My stuff's pretty mainstream I'm sure you're not Going to discover Anything new out of that But him definitely um,
1: Tell me Tell me why I If you if you know Einstein then, uh, Tell me Tell me which one I should cover Or should have covered And should feel Ashamed for not choosing <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. Rock on. That's it. Nothing else to say.
1: See you later. See ya.